My next guest is a journalist with a wealth of experience in both the traditional news space, having spent years in broadcast news, now editor-in-chief of Canada's fastest-growing digital publication, Daily High. Darcy Matheson oversees the editorial and video content of Daily Hive's eight North American markets. Most recently, Daily Hive launched a presence in Victoria, British Columbia. Darcy helped Daily Hive to navigate their way through the challenges of Bill C-18, restricting news sharing on Instagram and Facebook. She has also helped the brand to grow and we discuss how she balances this incredibly busy role as editor-in-chief with being a mom of two young boys. Our conversation regarding journalism, digital, the future of news, and her journey to where she is today is coming up next. I'm proud to present Darcy Matheson, editor-in-chief of Daily Hive on Rachel Thexton Connects. So today I am happy to share with you a discussion with a journalist, one I've known for many years, over a decade actually. Uh, and Darcy Matheson is a senior journalist working formally in the broadcast world. Now you know her as editor-in-chief at Daily Hive. And I am thrilled to have a conversation with her about her story, about her work with Daily Hive, the success of this much-loved digital news entertainment site that's constantly growing. Darcy, welcome to Rachel Thexon Connects, and thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So Darcy, journalism. I studied it. I did not pursue it. You pursued it, and you have been working in the field in various roles for your entire career, correct? Correct. I always kind of felt as though to be a journalist, you really do have to have that passion, passion for storytelling, passion for, you know, sharing truth, uh, perspectives from various individuals in our community, in our country. Um, it's also journalism is important for keeping society just with holding companies and those in power accountable. And then mixed with, you know, human interest and entertainment, which everyone you know, enjoys. So what are your thoughts? Tell me why you decided on pursuing journalism, what your journey has been like, and what working in digital media now, formerly what we would call, I guess, traditional or traditional media means to you. Yeah, so my journey to get to journalism was an interesting one. I actually started out um, studying international business because in the third year of school, it had a practicum where you could go to Peru. And I thought this was great. I've always been very curious by nature. Um, but it was in university. I actually did an internship at a local TV station uh, in Ottawa. And I decided I really like this. It was very exciting to be in a newsroom. It was exciting to be a part of live broadcast. And so when it came time to look at, you know, what I wanted to do my in my career, I thought like, this is really interesting. Every day is going to be different. Now, it's something that I found no matter how challenging the industry is. I'm still excited to come to work every day. And 20 years in, I know that not everyone feels that way in their career. So I do feel incredibly blessed 
um, to have found this road and had a pretty great path on it. Yes. And so broadcast is different. I know that's where you started and spent many years working. It's a different in the sense it's, I mean, all journalism is fast paced, but you know, you're really on the clock for whether it be a six o'clock news an 11 o'clock news, a morning news, whatever it may be. Sometimes you are a visual part of the story. Why broadcast initially instead of another form such as print or radio? Well, sometimes, you know, life throws you a curveball and your trajectory and your dreams change. In my case, I was turned down for a job at the Globe and Mail. I had applied for an internship, gotten an internship with a local newspaper in North Vancouver. And then I was actually watching CTV News at 6 p.m. at night and I watched the building burn down at the North Shore News. And CTV was my other option for interning. So I said, okay. I'm not going to be a print journalist. I'm going to get into broadcasting and see how that goes. Um, Working in an actual newsroom compared to going into school is very challenging. There's a lot of on-the-job learning, what a rundown looks like, how to write a script, um, what production looks like. When My first job in TV was answering the phones on a news desk, and then it changed to deploying camera operators to go shoot stories all over Metro Vancouver and Fraser Valley. And as someone who came here, moved to Vancouver from Toronto, my geography was so limited at the time and no, even knowing where things were, you know, how long does it take to drive from Vancouver to Mission? I have no idea. I actually rented a car um, on one of the first weekends where I was off and just drove around to figure that out so that I could hopefully be better at my job. <laughs> so you got to know the city kind of on the fly. Very much so. One thing about journalism and and the main reason why I, well, part of the reason why I couldn't pursue a, a career there is that you you really do have to present the facts of the story in a balanced way. That's, you know, journalism. Um, I know you as a very kind and compassionate person. We both love animals. I think that's how we initially kind of chatted offline and outside of work is regarding uh, our pups at the time. Sensitivity is there for sure for you, but also obviously a drive and very successful in what you do. When you first started in journalism, were there challenges uh, that you had to overcome, things that were unexpected that perhaps required you to develop a, a thicker skin uh, in the journalism space as you look back? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that I learned pretty early on working in broadcasting that even though I looked up to the news reporters who were out in the field, I didn't necessarily want to be one of them when I was behind the scenes and producing and seeing reporters that had to go to a crime scene and maybe talk to a bereaved family member. I didn't think that was necessarily my wheelhouse or something that I felt very comfortable with. Um, To be honest, there were also parts of local news that we covered that weren't that interesting to me. And I didn't feel like had a ton of value to our readers. And those were things like you might cover something in broadcasting. Um, like a house fire where an individual house had burned down or something that was sort of minor crime that wouldn't affect a lot of people, but maybe you had good pictures. You were always trying to write to your pictures. And if you had someone overnight and they had this, you know, okay, wow, flames are great. But your actual uh, value to your reader was pretty low. So I think when I made the transition over to working for Daily Hive, that was one of the first things I did with our editorial is kind of cut out those those stories I think you know I was like I never want to write about house fire again in my entire life and it's you know looking at the analytics of stories we know that our readers didn't really seem to care about that coverage anyway 
Yes. And that's, I want to get to that, what your readers are interested in. So let's shift over to your move from broadcast news. I remember pitching you years ago, you were producing at the time, I believe it was uh, Steel on Your Steel on Your Side yes. with Linda Steele at CTV, which was a great consumer news uh, segment. Uh, did you enjoy, I, I know that you did, um, but what was you know, your reason for deciding, you know, I think it's time for a digital shift and why Daily Hive? So I just want to say working with Linda Steele and working in consumer news was the most valuable and rewarding work relationship of my entire life. She was a mentor. She was a friend. And she really taught me that you can have fun in news. You can do news, but it can also be conversational. It can be light. And news can be about what people are talking about, what you tell your friends when you go to work on Monday morning, or if you're meeting your girlfriends for brunch, what are people really talking about? And that's why I think there was so much success in there. You know, when I made the decision to leave broadcasting, I was running a digital desk responsible for all the editorial and video that went on um, the website. And I was on my maternity leave with my first son. And I was actually headhunted by Daily Hive um, to come over. But it was a huge risk. You know, I was in a stable job with Bell Media. I had a pension. I all had company shares. Um, and I made the decision to leave it and take a pay cut, um, give up a pension to go to something that was really a fledgling startup. But I believed in the mission from Karm Sumal, our founder, and I saw the potential. I saw what a big reach they had um, and what we could do with that. And it was really exciting. And I hadn't felt that excited about something in quite a while. So it was a, a bit of a nervous leap, but one that you were quite optimistic about. You know, I always say, especially to friends that I have, anyone that I'm mentoring about, I think some of the biggest, like most important leaps in your life are the ones that make you feel the most uncomfortable because they take you outside of your comfort zone. And I think that's exactly what it was for me. Yes, I, I completely agree. And to go back to your point regarding uh, Linda uh, in your prior position with CTV, Linda Steele, as a PR professional, uh, journalists uh, are often kind, but she has been uh, especially kind uh, with me since the very beginning, even when I would pitch her stories uh, and probably you. And I apologize, Darcy, when I first started in my career that probably were not suitable for your segment when I was green and learning. Uh, so the, the two of you seem to make a very good uh, team and you could tell there was a, definitely a special bond there. So uh, that's pretty special. Um, and then with Daily Hive, so here you are uh, with this, you know, digital site that clearly has a large reach, a lot of potential. Uh, it has grown to be extremely successful and continues to grow. Uh, it was announced today uh, publicly that uh, Zoomer Media, the the owners of of Daily Hive is also, uh, they are also acquiring uh, Curiosity, which is a large digital, how would you describe Curiosity? Online, digital, entertainment? Yeah, entertainment, lifestyle, a lot of food and events. Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of alignment with what we do, um, but the potential is huge. They have one yeah. of the largest social media brands in Canada and that distribution for content is 
unparalleled and so exciting. And they have a they have a large presence in Canada, but particularly they're founded in Alberta. And we have a big team in Alberta. We've been steadily growing there every year. Now it's one of our biggest teams mm. um, in Calgary and Edmonton. So I'm really excited. You know, it's still early days right now, but we're excited to see um, where those alignments and, and possibilities can take us being in the same parent company. Well, that's very cool because any of my uh, dealings with Curiosity have been similar to Daily Hive in the sense that the team members are very kind, uh, very uh, fair, uh, seem to be, you know, very practical, nice to work with. So, you know, there is something to be said about culture. Uh, and, and sometimes when companies come together under the same umbrella, there's, you know, a, a culture that does not mesh. And I think that that culture will, will mix quite nicely from what I've, what I've seen of, of the two companies. Um, but daily hive on its own has been, I mean, I remember van city buzz and pitching Carm pieces for clients. And I think for an ad at that time or a sponsored piece, I think it was $250 or something. So it was a long time ago. This is that's a deal. <laughs> it was a, it was a screaming deal. And so, you know, that was when they were first getting started. And then this, you know, this has really, really grown. Uh, you've just started uh, a new market. Victoria's just launched. Is That's that correct? correct. Yeah. Is that your eighth market? That's the eighth. Wow. And, you know, this one is one that feels very close to my heart. I mean, in Vancouver, obviously, they're our closest neighbor. Um, we already covered Victoria and Vancouver Island um, quite regularly. We found that food content really resonates there. A lot of travel content um, in terms of, you know, visiting Gulf Islands, going to Tofino, what hotels should you go to? Like, what are the things to do? And that really aligns with us. So having um, boots on the ground there is really exciting to be able and a very logical extension of what we do. It's, it's, no, it is very exciting. And, and I think that, and you and I talked briefly about this before we started uh, this discussion, but that hyper local focus is so important, right? You things that are happening in Victoria and having someone there on the ground uh, versus, you know, you covering from here, you know, it make, it does make a bit of a difference. People know the culture, they, maybe they grew up in it, they've gotten to know it. Um, it's different if you're able to send people over there and, on a regular basis, but that hyper-local, do you agree? Absolutely. You know, to me, that makes all the difference. I never want to open up in a market without having someone who's physically there. Um, some of our best stories we get in any of our cities just come from our reporters walking around and seeing something, you know, hey, what's happening to that store on the corner? There's a for lease sign. Um, what's happening with this, you know, the parking situation at this place? Like, it's just what um, people in our newsrooms and people in our cities see and we want to be a reflection of that it comes back to being I think that's why we resonate so much with people as we're really trying to reflect our cities back to our readers and what they're talking about what they're thinking about what their concerns are um, so I always think of us as when I'm looking at what markets uh, we could potentially open in I look at something like the landscape what media is already there and what are they doing you know I don't look at us as competing necessarily with the heritage publications in terms of the mainstream newspapers or even like a CBC or CTV. I think we're, we kind of, I say we fit in the in-between 
you know, I want to do unique right. hyper-local stories that people are interested in reading. And it's not necessarily what's being covered by others. In fact, I really encourage our editorial staff. And one thing that they're really great at is seeking out unique stories versus that's, I think, where we can make a difference. If we're doing what everyone else is doing, you're only going to get a small piece of the pie. And especially if you're starting a new market where you don't have a lot of audience yet, um, why do what everyone else is doing? Yes. And now that you say that, uh, I would completely agree from a news consumption point of view that what I see on Daily Hive uh, is not what I see uh, in other media outlets and vice versa. So it's definitely reflected. So, so Daily Hive, I mean, a lot of people know it, talk about it. It is said to be Canada's fastest growing digital publication, uh, massive reach. Uh, you are the editor-in-chief. Um, editor-in-chief, that is a very, you know, that's a, that's a, a role with a lot of responsibility uh, and a lot of work. Congratulations uh, on that, especially for, you know, in a digital space that is, you know, growing at such a rapid pace. Uh, you certainly have the experience for it, but it's a, it's a big role. You oversee editorial video content for eight North American cities covering everything from news, politics, food, fashion, sports. So you mentioned why you feel the site has been uh, so well received by Canadians. Uh, tell us a little bit about your role as editor in chief and what your day looks like. I know no no day is the same, but what does your your average day look like, and 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 are you enjoying it? Yeah, you know, I will say no two days are ever the same, and I think the idea of having work life balance is one that I seek out but rarely achieve uh, because we are national and we're on. Um, Pacific time. Most days I start at about 5.30 or 6. I log on and see what our national and trending team is getting up to in Toronto. And then I'm up as our other markets come online. Um, and that's exciting. I mean, I'm not really immersed in the day-to-day -day editorial anymore when it comes to the individual decisions about what stories are covered. I'm more looking at thematically what we want to cover, what the tone of the publication is, the strategy about how we grow. And that's all very exciting to me. I feel really blessed since I started to have built up our editorial to the place that it's in. We've never been bigger and we've never been stronger. And a lot of that has been trying to level up what we do in editorial. Um, most people that work as writers and reporters um, and editors have a few years of major market experience. The people who are in positions um, who would be at a city or provincial editor level or a national editor are very experienced journalists. So I'm really fortunate to have these people supporting our teams um, so that I can also trust what goes out is the best quality possible and meets our standards. I think that's, I, I know we were going to touch on this in a minute, but I think that's a really important point to drive home. I, I think there there may be some misconceptions as to the team at Daily Hive and what do they have journalism experience? And the answer is, is you know, for the most part, absolutely, yes. Do you want to speak a bit to that? Sure. I mean, I think we're always going to have a hangover from the Van City Buzz days. I mean, my founder, Carm Small, would be the first person to tell you um, yeah, he started the blog from his mother's basement in South Vancouver with a buddy um, more than 15 years ago. And things were really different. You know, they would do profiles of local models. It was just them. He was not a writer, but he was like, hey, there's cool shit happening around the city. Like, let's do that. And so part of me coming on to the brand 
as Vancouver City Editor was trying to reorganize and professionalize the organization because they had the reach, but not the reputation. Um, but those were solvable problems. But, you know, it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come quickly. It comes through producing work that is trustworthy and that is good and having good people on your team. I know that there's still people out there who will still write us off as being like, oh, it's just a shitty blog or it's this rag and they're not doing good work. Well, I would say now one of my greatest joys is seeing when major market publications are duplicating our stories and their stories that we break. And I love to see that because I'm like, we made it and that's great. And I think it's something, it's something I'm so proud of and so proud of my team to be leading those discussions and leading that editorial. Yes. That, I mean, I've seen that on a personal level. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I provide some guest writing for Daily Hive regarding communications and public relations, talking about different PR-related topics at times. And there have been several times, almost every time I write for Daily Hive, actually, Canadian Press or the Toronto Star or someone calls me, CKNW, uh, we saw your story on Daily Hive, we'd like to chat with you about this. So I think that, again, speaks to the quality of what you're putting out there and uh, the fact that traditional uh, media are watching and are you know, interested in, and want to you know, be a part of that conversation as well and dialogue. It's very cool. I love uh, the writing that uh, I'm able to do uh, for you when I can and when it when it's suitable. It's it's something I enjoy very much. So you you work with a great team here in Vancouver uh, and across the country. I know a little bit about your team in Toronto. I've worked with some of your team members them uh, there and they also seem uh, amazing. Uh, there is, you know, it's no secret. It's a tough time in the uh, news landscape. Recent layoffs, uh, I believe it was 4,800 people from Bell Media and the largest in 30 years. So it is, you know, for those who are working in that space, they're constantly living in a state of uncertainty, which is a really tough place to be in, especially for someone passionate about journalism. It must feel good to work with a business that is growing, hiring, expanding, and is a place for journalists to go and grow and succeed potentially over the long run uh, versus the uncertainty that they may be feeling. There's still great value in traditional news, don't get me wrong, but having this digital site that has high quality uh, news and entertainment where journalists can find a place as well is another spot for them. Do you have any thoughts on that? I will say it does feel really good to be in a company that is growing and also supported by a parent company that wants us to expand um, in the long run. But I will tell you, I'm very cautious about growth. I, you know, I weigh decisions really carefully when we're looking to expand in a new market. And I work really closely with our sales and ad teams to be like, you know, can we do this? The last thing I want to do is start off in a new city, bring in 10 people and then realize this is not viable. And then within a year, having to lay people off. So we usually, in Victoria, we start out with a single writer on the ground, um, supported by a social person, a video person, a copy editing team, a manager for editorial to help them. But then we look at what are the benchmarks of success there in a newer market for one month, three months, six months. My hope is um, that we would put a second reporter in within a year if things are going well. Um, I look at what we've done in Alberta and we started out maybe 
four years ago with a single reporter in Calgary. Um, and we've just kept doubling down. So I'm very data driven, very analytics driven. And, you know, we hit a tipping point and then it's like, yeah, let's add another body. This is really great. Um, let's add a sports writer. You know, now we have sports writers in Calgary and Edmonton. We have news writers in Calgary and Edmonton. We have an Alberta editor who oversees everything. We're hiring a real estate reporter in Calgary. Um, so I'm very much always looking at the market condition um, for growth. But again, very cautiously because, you know, I, I went through the world of, I worked for Bell Media for 11 years and I went through a lot of rounds of those layoffs and saw a lot of people get let go and just how that affects you personally, professionally. Um, so I try to make my working environment as positive experience as I can for the people that are here and also hope to give them a path to grow their own careers. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's really neat that you are able to have those specialty writers. That's something that I I miss, and they they still certainly do have it uh, in traditional media, but not to the degree that they used to. So you know, writers who are just designated to food, writers who are just designated to entertainment or travel or real estate or whatever it may be. Um, it's just, you know, like Kenneth Chan writing your urbanized section, focusing on real estate. He has really become a, a respected real estate reporter in this market. And I, working with developer and real estate related clients can say that um, from experience and feedback from my clients that, you know, they look at him as a top notch real estate writer. And to have those beat writers who are so specific is important, I think, for, for an outlet. Would you agree? So important. I mean, you look at the city of Vancouver and what do people talk about? People are always talking about real estate. People are talking about affordability. What are the buildings going up? I mean, I live in East Vancouver and kind of right in the heart of the Broadway plan and looking how that changes the city, how it changes the livability of cities, the, the structure of neighborhoods. And so you look at our urbanized section and it's, you know, that's where the intersection is. It's real estate, it's development, it's transportation, it's architecture, it's, it's opinions, it's public art, like is what people in the cities are talking about. So I, I love that we're able to contribute to, to that conversation that people are having. Also our news team in Vancouver is incredible at, at talking to real people. And I think that that's one of the things that we don't hear enough of in news these days is like, let's talk to the actual renters who are getting rent evicted because their landlords are moving in their families or not. Uh, and what people are going through, you know, let's talk to the person who has a mortgage um, that's going to double because of interest rates. Let's talk to the person who's stuck in a pre-build, but things have changed for them. Those, you know, these are the real stories that we, we seek out to tell. And it's, those are the ones that resonate the most with the audience. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's interesting. I mean, there's not to be negative about any other digital site in the market. I think they all have something different to offer. Um, but there certainly are a few digital uh, news sites, uh, entertainment sites in the market. Do you think that there, what do you think if you could identify one thing? And I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot on this one, but that really differentiates yourself because I mean, Daily Hive um, has led and continues to lead uh, in the market and beyond. What differentiates Daily Hive from, from any of the others? That's a really good question. I think we try to tailor our content based on what market that we're in, but we're also, you know, it's personal goal of mine is to expand our thought leadership. 
in Canada. And you'll see that a lot. You know, we had one of our national reporters, Simran Singh, work on a really excellent story, um, series of stories about Canadians who are choosing to be childless. Uh, we have Isabel Docto on our national team working on a series about the challenges facing new Canadian immigrants. So I think instead of chasing the latest news, I really want um, to put our finger on the pulse of, of what our readers, what's really happening to them in their lives. I think that we have an incredible opportunity as storytellers and it's incredible privilege and an honor to be able to tell those stories um, but it's a lot harder. I think my team will tell you, like, I do challenge them often to think outside of the box. And some of that is, I hate to say this because you're a PR professional, but don't just chase the press releases. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not in the business of just rewriting what's handed to us. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say there isn't value in that, because I think there is, but find the humans that are affected by what we're writing about, because that's going to tell a richer story supported by the facts. Definitely. And just to make it clear, um, I don't encourage press release writing anymore. So, <laughs> but I understand, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's, it's all about the personalized, uh, you know, storytelling uh, and definitely personalized to the outlet. Uh, one thing I wanted to discuss that is uh, a huge uh, game changer is the C18 uh, legal changes with uh, Facebook, Instagram. So this results in users, organizations, media outlets now prohibited from sharing news on Instagram and Facebook. So two popular social media platforms, different demographics perhaps, but very popular. How did you, Darcy, lead the pivot and develop a strategy to overcome this? Because it, it, it hurts news outlets. You know, first of all, I'll tell you that it hurt um, when the taps got turned off on Facebook. You know, we had upwards in some markets of 35% of the distribution for stories and content came from Facebook. So to have that turned off overnight was quite shocking. However, I will say that we have, you know, it is more of a tech mindset in this publication. And we were able to pivot really quickly. Um, so in, within my team, we started doubling down on the lifestyle verticals where we are unblocked on social. So say sports and food. Um, one of the seismic shifts was within video. We've been doing a lot of video for Instagram reels, which we were prioritizing. Um, so it was working with the team to get them to adapt to TikTok and going, you know, I think just because Meta took away access for news, people still want news. You know, you just have to find where that audience has gone. Um, it was also creating new distribution partnerships um, through places like Apple News, Samsung News, Flipboard. Um, and so it it is an absolutely huge shift in the industry. And I don't think Facebook is is going to come back to news. You know, we look at other countries, um, it's just gone away. And even in Canada, with them taking away um, news links on the platform, their page views are, are still going up. They haven't lost audience because they've taken away news. So I don't think there's an incentive um, for them to come there. But, you know, I think in my personal career, you know, going from broadcasting to digital and seeing the rise of digital, I'm not afraid of these big shifts. I welcome them. I think there's always, you know, we're always going to have audience and there's, 
there's always going to be growth and people are always going to want to hear stories. It's just, yeah, it's a challenge to, to figure out where to go, but I'm up for the challenge. For sure. I think that's a nice thing, a challenging yet nice thing about our generation is we've kind of, I started in PR making photocopies of hits and giving them to the client, right? So we have experienced all those evolutions of digital, uh, which I think provides us with an ability to adapt uh, as things are changing, which may seem scary at first, but you know we're able to pivot because of the changes that we've seen throughout our careers. Have you experienced the same? Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, uh, I will tell you in my broadcasting days, there was a meeting once with someone who was in senior management and we were posting digital stories early in the day. And they said, you know, you've got to hold back that digital story because the job is to push people to watch the 6 p.m. news. Well, I think there was a a lack of understanding. Like it could be two separate audiences and you can't afford in in this era to hold things back. You're just hurting yourself um, to do that. So I do think um, it has been such a big shift in the industry. And I'm glad that I got into digital when I did. It was really exciting, but I still, I love broadcasting. I'm still an avid consumer of watching broadcast news. And I also love video. And now I feel like in my industry, um, it's coming full circle now with us doubling down on video and especially short form video and TikTok and, you know, learning how those algorithms work, learning how video is prioritized, like what people want it's very different. And it's, you know, it's a lot shorter than it used to be in TV, you're doing a story that is two minutes, a minute, 45 seconds, a TikTok could be 20 seconds. Um, But that's not to say there isn't there isn't room for longer format journalism, and longer form storytelling. Uh, One of the greatest things about TikTok is they do prioritize sort of educational or discovery content. So, you know, we're looking at doing more news explainers, Um, in longer form and finding that people are really interested in those, you know, I think we're looking at our YouTube strategy to do longer form video there as well. So it's a pretty exciting time. Very cool. Yes, clearly a a strategy based on data that you're using to to help make this a huge success. I want to talk for a minute about diversity. Uh, So we are constantly having a conversation around projected numbers of new Canadians, of various cultures, backgrounds, languages, diversity. Is that a discussion that you have as you sit with your team? I don't think that you sit at a corporate boardroom table in the Daily Hive environment, but I maybe you do. Um, maybe it's more comfortable and alternative. I'm not sure. You can tell me. But is diversity part of your conversation um, in this market and others? And how, if so, how do you kind of incorporate that into how you're presenting content? Um, So first of all, I'll tell you that this is the most diverse newsroom I've ever worked in, uh, if not the most diverse company. So I think diversity of team and who we bring on board is is really important. People from diverse backgrounds, ethnicities, cultures that have different interests, that all comes into the editorial. Daily Hive, Vansity Buzz, was founded by two young South Asian men who wanted to reflect the diversity of our cities and our stories back to the audience. Now we try to incorporate that as much as we can into the editorial. And like I said, we've got a series coming up about the experiences of new Canadians and Canadian immigrants. And 
some of the harder realities of what it means to be a new Canadian, be an immigrant in this country. Um, so yeah, it's, it is a really important part of our storytelling, but I I think more than that, it's embedded into the DNA of what we want to be as a company, people and culture and having a supportive environment here is very important to us. We have a director of people and culture, who supports us a lot. It's very modern thinking for a company to be able to treat your employees and your staff with respect, with kindness, to show them leadership and empathy. I, when we bring in new reporters and they see what kind of environment we have, you know, we offer flex days once a month where people can just have a day off to do whatever they want, whether that's go get a massage, go to your doctor's appointment, take the day off to spend with your kid if they have a PD day. You know, we have a culture where it's okay to say, I need to leave work a bit early today. I need to go pick up my kid. Or I'm not feeling, I'm having a really challenging mental health day. I really just want to unplug. And we want to support that. And it's been very interesting watching new people come into the company and sort of be blown away, especially, (laughs) honestly, people coming from traditional large media coming to a company like this and being like, oh, there is another way. So Darcy, you talked about that work-life balance and you just kind of went over the some of the unexpected perks, you know, flex days and things to kind of really ensure that your employees are feeling balanced. And I know you're a mom of two little ones, boys. Uh, I'm now a mom of three um, and it ends there. <laughs> Three, two, both uh, three or two. It's a lot of work. How do you manage the balance? Uh, A lot of is is expected of us. Uh, You know, we can go on and say, you know, how progressive it's becoming. And yes, there are a lot. There's a lot of support. And I'm sure with Daily Hive, there is a lot of support for you as a mom. But I know that you work very, very hard, uh, that you're passionate about what you do and very driven, but you're also a passionate mother. So how do you manage that balance? Uh, And do you ever feel like you're kind of, you know, being pulled into completely separate directions? Every day. Yeah. (laughs) Every day I feel like you, um, it's a challenge. It's a constant challenge. I really strive with work-life balance, but it's really hard. I think as I've gotten older, I'm doing a better job to try to set limits Um, I try to limit it to go to two events a week, whether that would be client events or a PR event um, and whatnot, but it's a challenge. You know, I try to block off a bit of time to be able to spend with my kids, but most nights, yeah, I'm back online after my kids go to bed and I'm up really early in the morning, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. You know, one thing I will say is I think there is still as progressive as we are, um, there's a lot of sexism for working women and working professionals. I will go to events, I'll go to conferences, um, representing our brand. And one of the questions I always get is, you know, who's with your kids? Mm. Who's watching your children? And I I couldn't imagine that question being asked of a man um, speaking on a panel or speaking at a conference. So I think we do have a ways to go. I will say that I do have uh, a very supportive partner who's also in a very demanding career, but we make it work. We're very fortunate to have um, family help as well. But I think it is a constant daily battle to find that balance. Mm-hmm. I, I completely relate to what you're saying. I get that same question uh, and others 
regarding the children, my husband actually takes on more of the uh, day-to-day childcare, the pickup, the drop-off. It just works better for his schedule. And uh, that's something that, you know, uh, is actually quite common nowadays, but we seem to still be in this mindset uh, or some still seem to be in this mindset that uh, it is, it's always the mom. So I, I ask everyone who is on the podcast, who works in media, whether it be digital, traditional, you know, broadcast radio, what they think about being pitch stories and angles. And I know that you want to present unique news that is unique to Daily Hive. Uh, and I certainly think of that when I'm pitching outlets. I, I don't like to pitch the same you know, angle to, to various outlets, but can you speak to what you appreciate in a PR marketing person's approach, uh, with an angle and what are mistakes that you see too often just to give some of the marketers and PR pros out there some tips and perhaps, um, you know, maybe reduce the number of emails that are not appropriate coming to your inbox. One of the biggest mistakes I see is the same pitch to being sent to every single editor. And I think I'm in a unique position because I'm on every city's mailing list. Um, So I will see if the same pitch comes in eight times. What I really appreciate are PR professionals who take the time to understand our content, understand our goals, tailor their pitch to our publication, maybe even referencing stories or themes of content that we've done in the past, and also indicate where they think that they can add value. What can they bring to the table? You know, are you able to connect us to a real person who's using this service? You know, what can you give? Can you give us an embargo so we can get the jump on other publications? Because we do have a big platform and we do have a big reach and we have limited bandwidth. You know, we have to make decisions every day about what we're covering and not covering. So I think in the PR space, it's really important to develop relationships with the publications that you're trying to pitch, if at all possible. You know, Rachel, I met you more than 10 years ago as you took me out for coffee when you were representing a brand and just as an introduction. And it was really nice. And I think in some ways, (laughs) it makes it harder for me as a newsroom leader, I'm like, it would make it hard for me to ignore a pitch from someone that I know personally. So I think those relationships are very important to be able to establish a relationship with, with reporters in the city where you are to be able to say like, hey, I've got this cool thing coming up. Um, but also, you know, develop a truthful relationship where some of the PR people and publicists I work with, like I am on a texting basis with them and I will tell them pretty straight up to be like, thanks so much for the pitch. Um, it's not a good fit for us right now. We don't have the bandwidth or this just isn't something that we cover, but we're able to speak with candid, you know, be candid and be honest about why that wouldn't work. doesn't mean it won't work in the future, but it might just not work right now. Yeah. And I always said that if it's not a yes, I, I love a no and just a little bit of why, because then that way it helps next time to adjust, right? Accordingly. Uh, maybe things have changed at the outlet, or maybe there's something that I overlooked in a pitch that I should have seen that, you know, next time I'll, I'll know. Um, so I think having, even if it's a no, having just one line of it doesn't work because ABC, great, then that's so helpful to a PR person and so much appreciated. I know you've always done that. So, and it helps, I think, for both parties, you know, making sure that they're providing information that's actually useful also that publication can um, obtain information and and unique stories that uh, may be valuable. 
for their readers, for their audience. Absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of questions. The time always zooms by in these insightful conversations, but I do want to ask you about nonprofits. I ask all of my guests and I'm curious about yours. Are there any nonprofits that are close to your heart that you really do want people to know about? Uh, I do. So I have two main causes that I support. The first is Dress for Success, which helps um, women get back into the workforce or just enter the workforce. It could be someone who's taken off time um, out of their careers to have children. It could be someone who's gone through a divorce. It could be someone who's a newcomer to Canada. So they provide counseling and mentoring dressing services for women. There is a local chapter in Vancouver that I support, but there are most cities in Canada and lots in America. And then you know me as an animal lover and my background is, you know, I worked as a feature reporter for Modern Dog magazine and did lots of advocacy stuff. So I support SPCAs and humane societies across the country. And it's one of my goals this year is for Daily Hive as a publication is to partner with the local SPCA or humane society in each of our cities so that we can help amplify their messages about adoptable animals in the community so we can help um, get pets adopted. Excellent. And you've got a terrier, correct? What is his name? Seymour. He's extremely naughty. <laughs> How old is he now? He is 10, but he still tries to bite people like he was puppy. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you for sharing those. Dress for Success, BCSBCA, both uh, also nonprofits that uh, I support. Wonderful ones. Uh, Darcy Matheson, editor-in-chief of Daily Hive. Canada's fastest growing and extremely popular digital news outlet. Darcy, thank you so much for being here today, for taking the time to chat about digital news, about your own story. You can find Darcy online. Her Twitter handle is Darcy News. Uh, of course, uh, Daily Hive in all of its eight now markets. Congratulations. And uh, yes, it was just a thrill to have you. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Rachel Thexton Connects. Be kind and truly connect. You are listening to Rachel Thexton Connects.